But I, I always see like Yas Queen, which mm. that started with black trans women. That's that's you know not for white women to be using. It you know, it seems fun when you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race or something else, but it's. Welcome to the Sarah Lowe Podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and I'm here to help female entrepreneurs like you launch and grow a profitable online business of your dreams. In my early 20s, I went from quitting my 9 to 5 with less than $100 to hitting my first 10k month in sales in under 6 months by building an authentic brand online. Each week, you will learn tips and strategies all about branding, sales, and marketing so you can attract and turn your dream clients into paid clients. Hey everyone, and welcome back into another episode of the Cerulo Podcast. And today, I am feeling so pumped because we have a special guest on the show with us today, and she is none other than the amazing Stephanie, or rather known as Copy by Steph on Instagram. So, if you have no idea who Stephanie is, I'm gonna give you a little introduction, okay? So she is a health and wellness copywriter who helped coaches and entrepreneurs to get laser focused in their messaging and she makes sure that your copy is inclusive that will help you to attract your ideal clients. I swear to you, when I first chanced upon Stephanie's Instagram and read one of her posts about inclusive writing guide, which you will learn more about it in today's episode, by the way, it really stood out and caught my attention because I have never met any copywriters online that focuses and specialized in inclusive copywriting, which is so important because, you know, as a business owner myself, as an entrepreneur, as a content creator, when I read that post, I was like, oh my god oh my god i sound like what's her name in a character in friends she was like oh my god okay that was a really poor mimic but here is kind of like what it sounds like oh my god (laughs) oh my goodness anyway what i was trying to say is that when i read one of her posts And it really got me thinking that, wow, I didn't know that this choice of word could have offended someone or this type of language actually is considered as a non-inclusive copywriting, you know? So it made me learn new things and this incredible knowledge to know, especially when we as an online business, as a content creator, we are inspiring a lot of people online, everywhere around the world. And I really want to get Stephanie to share all her incredible knowledge about inclusive copywriting so that you can start to notice and like, huh, I didn't know I was, you know, using this type of word that could have offended someone online or, you know, could have excluded someone that I shouldn't have. Or even though you're not coming, you know, even though you're coming from a good place, but we didn't know about, you know, these words, right, that could have offended someone. So it's really eye-opening, okay? So before I let you go and you know, you enjoy the rest of the episode, okay? I just want to say that if you did enjoy this episode, please reach out to myself or Stephanie. Let us know what are your favorite key takeaways, anything that you have learned, you know, anything that you are like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was doing this, right? So any aha moments, we would love to know. So you can find our Instagram handles. I'm going to leave it in the show notes below. I'm going to leave all of Stephanie's online platforms below so that you can 
check her out. Okay, so without further ado, enjoy enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back into another episode of the Sarah Lou Podcast. And today, I am so flipping excited to have Steph on the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you about all things copywriting today, more specifically with inclusive writing. But <laughs> I guess like for the listeners who has never heard about you before, um, why don't you share with us a little, a little introduction? Sure. So I am a copywriter in the health and wellness space. So I mainly focus on health and wellness coaches, sometimes on business coaches, but mostly health and wellness is my bread and butter. So I actually, I have a background in writing. I actually got my degree in journalism and then kind of put it aside for a while to teach reading and writing. And uh, then finally decided that I wanted to really put my mind to it and make this a business. And here we are. So that's kind of where this came from. But sharing my love of reading and writing and getting other people excited about it is just so much fun. So how did you, like, when did you get started with your business? So the business end was very, very recent. Um, I actually started it during quarantine. Uh, (laughs) But I had been doing stuff, you know, kind of freelancing here and there while I was teaching for quite a while and, you know, helping people with grad school papers and things like that. I didn't, you know, realize that I could actually make this a business until really recently. And then it kind of just took off from there. And it's been really exciting to see it grow. That's, that's really interesting because when, you know, like COVID came around, um, I remembered saying on my Instagram, like, you know, this is, this couldn't be a better time to pursue what you really desire and to possibly start an online business. And I'm just really curious about like how or what made you decide that, okay, like I am going to start my business because I know that there are a lot of people who want to do the same. They want to pursue the passion. However, like they just don't know like what to do about it. Like they're not taking the first step. So I'm really curious, like, how did you get started? That's a great question. So this actually started as an idea about, I want to say a year ago, going into last summer. And so at the time I was working with a dietitian and she and I had been discussing this because her business was really growing. And I said to her, you know, I really want to do something with writing. You know, I think this summer I'm going to try to get some jobs on Upwork and Fiverr and just see how it goes. And it didn't go well. (laughs) there were some very sketchy job interviews and things like that and it wasn't quite what I was looking for so I kind of put it on the back burner and then in October I was like you know what everybody's investing in themselves I see all these coaches online talking about investing I'm going to invest so I ended up purchasing a self-paced copywriting course and as I was working through it I realized that all of the stuff they were teaching me was all of the things that I had learned in undergrad and in grad school. So I was thinking to myself, you know, I already know this. I know how to do it. I can do it well. You know, what's the next step? So my dietitian at that point, it was almost winter, the beginning of the winter, she was starting to pivot her business into business coaching. And she had said to me, you know what, Steph, you could do this and I can help you with it. And this is how I could help you. So I started asking other copywriters questions and kind of doing my own market research to see, you know, can people really make money off of this? Is this something that people could be really successful with? Um, And when I realized that they could, it kind of all came together. So I um, went away the first weekend of March, right before the quarantine happened here. And I came back and found a copywriting coach and my dietitian decided to pivot into being my business coach. And I realized within two days of getting home that we were going to be remote learning for the rest of the school year. So as I was preparing that, I decided, you know what, as soon as I'm home, I'm going for it. So that was kind of how it happened. And it was almost like divine timing. It just, the timing worked out perfectly for me to be able to officially start the business and launch it and start working with my coaches 
while I had that freedom of time at home where I might have been trying to do things after school and before school, now I have that extra time to be able to cater both to my students and my business. That is amazing. Like every, every single time when people tell, tell me that, you know what, I've done it. And I'm like, yes, like this is amazing. And the fact that, you know, you have waited like, I don't know, it's a year plus thinking about it. And then now it's like, you've done it. Like, how do you feel about that? It is so empowering. (laughs) It's just so empowering to know that I thought about doing this. I had played with the idea and it was more than a year that I really thought about doing freelance writing. I had been thinking about it since I graduated college, which was, that puts us at 2014. Mm -hmm. So I had been playing with this idea for a really long time and it just, to be able to finally see it in action and see it really coming to life and being able to help people and share my love of reading and writing, you know, in a professional space with more than just my students who are amazing, but not adults, right? It's, it's been really awesome. It's fun. And it, you know, to be able to have fun while you're working is really important. If you're not having fun, then something has to change. Right. It's like, it's more than just money and like, it has got to come from like inner fulfillment. You know that this is exactly what you want to do. Like, even if you don't really know, like, what is the five-year plan? Like, I don't, I don't know how my business is going to be like five-year plan, but for now it's that this is what I love that's the most like important thing yes to 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 receive money and all that those are just you know like those are kind of like the bonuses quote-unquote on that (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean if we didn't mean money we wouldn't be working but um you know just just to be able to do something fun where you end up making money while you're having fun I think that that is so important Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah and to me I believe that when we can actually hold on to that um that why of ours it's it's a long long term success in any business yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean it's important to have a plan but it's also important to just kind of yeah, enjoy right? the process i feel like a lot of um a lot of new entrepreneurs that i've seen are so focused on getting to point d but mm-hmm. you're still on point A. You need to enjoy points A, B, and C first. If exactly. you're not enjoying where you're at, then why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really true. Well, just to share with you know the listeners about um, what what is that thing that made me really interested to you know to reach out to Steph and you know to ask her if she's interested to come on to the show and share her knowledge and expertise is that here's the thing I. Have seen across, um, came across a lot of copywriters on Instagram. And then when I came across Steph's page, by the way, I'll leave like all her social media links and website in my show notes so you can definitely check that out. There's one particular post that really caught my attention. And it's a post about like inclusive writing guide for coaches and entrepreneurs. And I was like, hmm, okay. Well, I'm a coach and I'm an entrepreneur and I want to learn <laughs> what is meant. So Steph, would you like share with all of us, what does inclusive writing mean? Absolutely. I love talking about this and I teach my students about <laughs> it, so it's fun. So just like textbook definition, being inclusion, being inclusive means that you're including all people of races, genders, sexual orientations, you know, whatever differences you're including everybody. So when we're talking about this in terms of business and we're talking about, you know, the ideal client avatar, the ICA that everybody has, um, especially in the health and wellness space, right? We're focusing very much on, for most of us, what does she look like? Mm -hmm. And I think the missing piece for a lot of coaches when they were thinking about how to be inclusive was that they only had an ICA that looked like them. So the more that I was seeing this and I was seeing that these coaches and entrepreneurs were talking to these very specific clients or very specific ideal clients, they all seemed to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the more that I realized that, the more that I realized that there was a gap here in the education and that people weren't quite understanding what it means to be inclusive. Um, 
So that was kind of where this came from. And I thought, you know, what can I do to help? And that was where the inclusive writing guide came from. I love it. And, and what do you, so basically I read the caption and I have read through like the, the content for each of the graphics in that post. And I still have a lot of questions that I've written down because I want to further educate my knowledge when it comes to copywriting. Because to me, is that when it comes to copywriting, is that it's speaking like from my heart and what I want my audience to know. And there are times, you know, where I could have, and maybe I've said the wrong things. Maybe I have written in a certain way that may have offended people. But for me, it's like, well, I'm coming from a good intention. And I know that a lot of listeners right now, especially with what is going on and everything, it can be, um, you know, people are wanting to learn. And they might not realize, you know, the words that they say, the things that they write might offend people. So Steph, could you help us? Like, what are some of the common mistakes that you see um, in, in this area? Absolutely. So the two biggest ones that I think I see um, specifically from my niche are, I'm yeah. Those, by the way. <laughs> I'm writing down those, yeah. That's totally fine. But I, I always see like Yas Queen, which mm. that started with black trans women. That's that's you know, not for white women to be using. It you know, it seems fun when you're watching RuPaul's drag race or something else, but it's not necessarily for you. The other one that I keep seeing is my tribe, right? So these women with the Facebook groups, it's you know, the health health tribe or you know, the, the healthy, wealthy women tribe or whatever it is, right? The girl tribe and, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is also not for anyone who's not indigenous, who, you know, unless of your family came from a tribe, great, use it, you know, but if your family is not, you know, native or indigenous to whatever area you're living in, that is appropriation. Um, so also, you know, like Beyonce is my spirit animal kind of thing. I hear people saying that all the time and it irks me because unless if your family was native and believed in that, then why are you using it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that just kind of being aware of these things that became normalized because we saw them online all the time. I think that a lot of us thought that they were for us when really they weren't. Um, so when I was writing the inclusive writing guide, I actually did it with one of my friends from grad school. Um, and she's also an English teacher and she also has a podcast and we started our businesses right around the same time. And she happens to be black family, I think is from Nigeria, but she can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but she and I were talking about this and I said, you know, what, what else are you hearing? That's, that's bothering you. Tell me. Let's, let's add it into the guide together. And we had agreed on, you know, people that aren't black saying, hey, sis. And then you look at their page and you're wondering, where is sis? Where is she? Is she there? Um, you know, things like that. And she had mentioned, you know, sometimes people that are not black will say, oh, look how tan I am. I look like you. Things like that. Or asking about hair texture and, you know, what, what, what does your weave look like? And unless if you're on that level with somebody personally, I would leave those things out of copy. Right. So instead of being in a space where you're going into the DMS and going, Hey girl, or Hey queen, you could just use the person's name. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know I'm sure you've gotten those DMs also on Instagram where someone's like, Hey girl. And then they have the copy and paste message trying to get you to buy whatever service it is. Um, it goes a much longer way. If someone takes the extra three seconds to look at your profile and see what your name is. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know if someone goes, Hey Steph, you know, and then goes on with their message, I'm much more likely to be receptive to whatever it is that they want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I think just like, being very conscious and aware of what we're doing. Um, some things, as I was researching for that post, I had no idea were rooted in racism. 
So there was one in particular, you know, long time no see. That's something a lot of Americans say when you haven't really? seen somebody in a while. Oh and my God. I had no idea that it was a euphemism for making fun of Chinese immigrants. I had no idea. One, one, I need, I need to, I need to say something. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm from Singapore. Sorry, right. just kind of like bit on the tongue there. Yeah, so I'm from Singapore and my, um, basically we have four different races in there. It's kind of like a mix, essentially. So we have the Chinese, um, we have the Malays, we have the Indians, and then we have the Eurasians. So like European slash Asians. And in Singapore, it is a slang and it's kind of like, if you have a Singaporean friend or you have been living in that, it's, it's a very common term actually. Long time no see. So it's like, hey, I didn't see you for a long time. So it's that way. Yeah. If, if for me, I didn't know like it was, you know, just like what you said, it's like could offend someone. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea. And I mean, I have a uh, I have a group chat going on right now with some of my girlfriends, and it's a pretty diverse group of women. And I sent them that information when I found it, and they said, "Are you kidding me? We've been saying this our whole lives. We had no idea it was offensive." Mm-hmm. And yeah, I grew up in a area that was pretty diverse. I had a lot of Chinese friends whose parents were immigrants. I had a lot of Indian friends whose parents were immigrants, and I also had a lot of friends who were second, third generation American that were Asian. And none of them ever said anything. And I don't know that they even know where this phrase even came from. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's interesting how these phrases started in racism. Yes. And then eventually they just become a normalized part of culture. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. only way to break down that part of culture, which I mean, I'm seeing now talking to you, it's not just the United States, it's everywhere yeah. that this is happening. And I mean the only way to break it down is to learn about it and teach other people. That's, That's true. the only way to make an improvement. Um, but even I discussed this with my students, I have sixth grade students. So they're 11 and 12 years old and they had no idea. And they also very much need to be taught about, you know, this is why we don't say the N word and things like that. So yeah. it's interesting seeing it from the perspective of adults, but also from the perspective of kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing that you are sharing this piece of knowledge because, you know, hopefully that you get to empower and inspire more people and as, of course, to educate them as well. And then they can be like, hey, you know, and then passing, passing this knowledge on, which is amazing. And I did wrote down a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you because even for me, um, I, I really wanted to chat with you about like, how can we use inclusive writing? But at the same time, I know that it's really important to be very specific when it comes to, you know, our ideal client or dream clients or, you know, in in that spectrum, target audience, however you want to call it, right? So when it comes to, you know, like writing on, I don't know, the things that we say, maybe on Insta stories, Instagram posts, sales pages, and we want to be very specific because we don't want to, you know, target to everyone and say, hey, like this program is for everyone. Not even just female entrepreneurs, because like, you know, a very specific like segment <laughs> that right, program right. is for or a product is for. So in one of the posts that you wrote in that inclusive writing guide, and you have like this section, two columns, do this, not that. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. not this, not do that. I can't remember. And, <laughs> <laughs> and one of it to not do is he, she, his and hers. And what you encourage is saying they, them, and theirs. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. So then I was like, ah, oh, I, I don't understand. Like, can you tell me more about that? Because to me, it's like, well, it's really, well, it's good that it's specific, but how, how is it like it could offend someone? Yeah. So I think that that really depends in terms of what you're writing and who you're talking to. Okay. So 
for instance, if I'm in my classroom talking to my students, I don't know if one of them is maybe going through a gender identity crisis, right? So coming into my classroom and saying, hi, boys and girls, or hi, ladies and gentlemen, instead of, hey, guys, right? It makes a little bit of a difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're making a post on Instagram to talk about your ideal client and she is a woman looking for a transformation and wants to grow her business and, you know, you can identify all of her pain points, then I think it's okay to use, you know, she and hers and those words just because you know exactly who you're talking to. Yeah. Right. But I think when it's maybe cloudy or unclear who we're directly talking to, it's, a little bit safer to just be a little bit more vague. Mm -hmm. Um, just because let's say your, your client might be a trans woman, right? But she's going to identify with she. Yeah. But if you apply that to somebody who, um, I think the the correct term is non-binary, something to that effect, they might not identify with either gender, then they and them might be what they prefer. I find though, you, you can't get too bogged down in the rules, right? Mm-hmm. All you can do is try. Yeah. And the worst case scenario is that you offend somebody and they tell you. And in that case, if somebody is offended and they tell you, what you can do is be open-minded and take accountability. So let's say um, I wrote a post about she and her and someone came to me and said, you know, I really like your writing, but I was really offended by this because I don't identify that way. I would take accountability for it and try to understand what I could have done better. Because I think most of the time, if someone is going to come to you and correct you about something that you wrote, they're going to tell you how you could have done it better or how you could phrase things differently. And I know, especially um, just going back to race and speaking with my friends who are people of color and black, if I say something that is questionable, they will tell me. (laughs) and they will tell me immediately um and it hasn't happened very often but it has happened on occasion where I've said something and they've looked at me and been like do you know what you just said and in most cases I don't realize and I think a lot of people don't realize so I think trying to be a little bit more conscious but not getting bogged down in the rules because if you get bogged down in the rules you're going to be sitting at the computer screen unable to write anything because that's true that's so true I think just doing the best that we can and you know trying to be open-minded and understanding if you do offend someone you know occasionally I think most of us have offended somebody at some point with something we've said you know it's it's not hard to offend somebody. Somebody is going to be offended by something all the time. We don't know if we're hurting someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not intentional and we're open-minded and we're willing to be corrected, I think that that makes the difference. I think that's what's really important. Yeah, that what's uh, matters most is what I wanted to say, yeah. And something else is that I, I say this term very, very often. So, you know, maybe you might have seen it, um, when I go on Instagram stories, I would say stuff like, you guys, hey guys. And then that term is one of the not to do list. And instead, Stephanie actually encourages saying, hey everybody, or hey everyone. Right? And it made me think of something because before I read the post, you know, I was having a conversation with my partner and I'll be like, you know, you guys, and to me, it's like referring to um, Romanians because mm-hmm. the way that they drive, again, the maturity, it's really different to how <laughs> most drivers drive in Singapore. So I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. And every single time he take it as a joke, you know, like, why are you so racist? Like in, in a teasing way. And I was like, no, I wasn't teasing you at all. I was just like, you guys, like, and, and he, he did say something. He was like, uh, no, no, majority of Romanians, he prefer it that way. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. ah, okay, yeah. Like, so I'm like learning something new. And I, I would be more cautious of that. Like, guys, I'll say everybody, hey, everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, that's better, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I'm still guilty of it too. I, I got onto, a, a, I think it was a Zoom call or a Google Meet with my mm-hmm. students and I 
immediately went, hey guys, I'm so excited to see you. And then I realized what I did and I'm like, oh, that wasn't a good example to set. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yes, there's a, a better way to do things, but I think let's not beat ourselves up if we make a misstep because it's habits and habits are hard to break. And unless if you're really focusing on it on a day to day, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in speaking with my girlfriends and I mentioned that to them, they said the same thing. They were saying, you know, I refer to all of you as you guys, but we're all girls. So I think it's a generalized way to speak about a group of people. Um, but I think there's definitely a better way that we can do it. But again, yeah. being open-minded, being willing to be corrected and not getting too bogged down in the rules. If mm-hmm. someone corrects you or if you go back and read your copy and realize, oh, I said I wasn't going to say, hey, guys. And then I said, hey, guys, you know, just correct yeah. it. Just move yeah. on. You know, you can't get bogged down in something that you did. You have to do better. That's so true. That is a truth yeah. bomb. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. I love it. So how, how would you give us like a starting point? So, you know, what would you advise in terms of to coaches, to entrepreneurs, you know, because a lot of my listeners are designers, copywriters, photographers, coaches in the service-based industry. You know, how can we be more conscious when it comes to, you know, inclusive writing? Like, are there any actionable steps that we can start to, you know, to take? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So... I think, um, I think the most important thing is to start to learn, um, and to start to consume content that will teach you about the things that are going on around you. Um, so I think a lot of us up until very recently, we're living in a bubble and we're not very aware of injustices happening to other people. Um, so for instance, I'll use the example of a black trans woman again, unless if you are a black trans woman, it's really difficult to know what their experiences are. Mm-hmm. So a really good starting point is um, 13th on Netflix. It's a documentary about uh, basically I watch it. how, yeah, uh, yeah, so good. yeah, so I, yeah. I, um, I had a round table discussion with my students last year about it and it was very, very powerful. So it's basically about how the 13th amendment is a loophole for legalized slavery in the United States and how the prison system is a revolving door here. It's, it's not great. Um, but I know also there are a lot of business owners that have had webinars and courses and things like that. Um, Latisse Hudson, Topsy Vanabosch and Christy King. And I attended Christy King's webinar and she spoke a lot about the ways that we speak and the language that we use, um, specifically about microaggressions and things that we don't realize are, you know, racist in nature. Um, and also just consuming books about how to be an anti-racist by Abram Kendi. Um, and there were a couple of other ones. If you Google, you know, anti-racism books, they'll come right up and they all have sections on, you know, how do you speak to others and how to be more aware of the way that we speak and how to change it for the better. Mm-hmm. So I think education first and then, you know, consume maybe one thing, you know, pick one thing from the list, don't do it all. And then see what you can apply from there. And then once you're comfortable with it, go back and learn more yeah. and then just continue the process. I mean, it has to be ongoing. It can't be a one-time thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, do you have any, I don't know, a link whereby, you know, you actually do all of these resources that you've just mentioned or? I can absolutely send it to you so you can put it in the notes. Amazing. Amazing. You just read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Yeah, because I would love to check out some of these, um, these resources that you mentioned as well, especially with the book. Um, This is something that I, that I want to check it out in the bookstore. Hopefully they have it. Otherwise, I'm just going to order from Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure who's selling what right now because of uh, the slowdown times with COVID, but I think everything should be available for Kindle or whatever e-reader everybody uses also. Um, but yeah, there's, there's endless resources. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, I will link it down below. It's amazing. Okay. So I have another question for you is that, sure. cause I did ask you this before, right? So when I say things like in terms of like attracting 
our ideal clients, you know, we want to make it specific, especially if it's a program that we're selling or a service that we're selling or promoting. And with specific words like he, she, his and hers, and you mentioned that, well, it really depends on the context, right? In, in, in whatever that you're talking about. In some situation, if you know exactly who you're speaking to, that's, that's fine, right? Um, but I still have this question for you. I'm not sure if it's kind of like redundant, but I'm just gonna ask anyway, is that how can we use inclusive writing to attract our ideal dream clients? Um, and then turning them into paid clients, but again, still being really conscious and being specific at the same time. That's a great question. It's not redundant. Um, we can definitely get a little bit more specific. So when this question was first posed to me um, about a month and a half ago, I started thinking about my ideal client. And, you know, I didn't realize at the time that my vision of who my ideal client was looked like me. Um, and I went and I took stock of, you know, who I was following on Instagram. And I realized that most of the women I was following happened to look like me and it wasn't on purpose. It was what just so happened to have happened. And the more that I was aware of that, the more that I realized that I needed to take a step back and take a look at who my ideal client was. So when we're doing that, and before we even think about the language, right, we have to figure out who our ideal client even is. And if you're thinking about your ideal client and let's say in terms of health and wellness coaches, let's say someone that wants to lose 15 pounds and they live in a, you know, a wealthy upper middle class area and you know, the list goes on, right? They're going to have different access to things than someone that's not living in that area. And they might look a certain way because of where they live. So I would rethink who the ideal client is based on what they look like. So let's say you have one ideal client and you know that she is a person of color and she's going to have specific needs based upon that. That would be one way to do that. So I would think really about who the ideal client is and then take a step back and think about what other versions of her exist. So you could have one that looks like you that's white or Asian or whatever. And then you could have another one who's black. And then you could have another one who's Romanian, for example, or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, because especially when we're looking at this from a global standpoint, right, we're in two different countries talking to each other. Our ideal clients might look very, very different just based on where they live. So yeah. I think that especially, I know a lot of the people that I um, work with are from the United States, but they're from all over the place. And because our country is so big, every region has a very different population of people. So I think just being very aware first and foremost of who your ideal client is and then what are the two or three or four other versions of her that she could be yeah. will definitely direct the way that you speak to her because a white woman and a black woman and you know, a Chinese woman and an Indian woman are all going to have different needs. They're all going to have different dietary requirements. They're all going to you know, be interested in different types of exercise. Um, so I think just being very aware of who they are will help to direct the language of how you speak to them. Does that make I, sense? Yeah. I love that openness and creating different versions when you're thinking about like who this person is, because, um, I, when I first started my business, I was told by a coach, one of the coaches that when you think about your ideal client, Right. And she made me do like this avatar. And I, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. So think of one person, just one. Right. And I was like, okay. But in my mind, it was just a different variation of like different women. It's just like, I don't know, in my mind, it was just this visualization of like this woman, like transitioning like every second. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know, it's crazy. It's like <laughs> Caucasian and I'm Asian and an Indian and then like, I don't know, just different races, right? Anyway, fun fact. That that was a fun fact by the way. But I'm still I'm still a little bit confused in terms of and, and maybe some of your listeners might resonate with me. So based on the example that you gave, right? When you think about your ideal dream client and you have like different mm -hmm. variations. Could you give us like a good example 
and a not so good example. Does it make sense? Because we want it to be like specific, but as well at the same time, we don't want to like exclude, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So if let's say my ideal client was a podcaster, um, you know, and I wanted to do work for the podcaster, for instance, their appearance might not factor in because nobody really sees what the podcaster looks like. So in that case, it's more about the content. Um, but again, if I go back to the health and wellness coach example, most of them have an idea of who their client is going to look like. So I was speaking with someone very recently and I said, do you have an example for each major race or identity that you might be working with? And she said, no. So we had a discussion about this. And so we created, um, an ideal client for a black woman and for a white woman and what their different needs might be. So for the black woman, we took into account um, public health and access because there's very different um, statistics for what's available for people of color versus white people in the United States, specifically on the East Coast. Um, so in that case, we took those pain points um, and one of them was, you know, maybe difficulty finding the right doctor um, or... Um, I think one of the points was a doctor might turn her down to get testing for some kind of hormonal imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that we could do that is we could create a post talking about the ways that you could tell a doctor, I want you to note it in my chart that you refused to do my testing, which then turns around and empowers the patient because they now have the power over it and no doctor wants to note that. So the doctor will turn around usually and say, okay, we'll do it. It's your body, you know? Um, whereas for a white woman in the United States, the white woman is not going to have that particular challenge in as many cases. Mm -hmm. It does still happen, of course, because there are great doctors, bad doctors, you know, whatever. But just talking about that example, specifically that applied to, you know, women of color, specifically black women, and it did not apply to the white woman. So the white woman could go and just say, you know, I want hormone testing. This is what I want. And the doctor usually will say yes, because of racial disparities in the health industry. Does that help clarify a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. That makes so much more sense. So, so, okay, let me, let me see if I got this right. Okay. Whilst we want to consider it with the different needs after we actually list down um, the different needs that they probably need to have, right? And then when it comes to, for instance, say, let's give an example. Say someone wants to create a program to teach you how to create and launch a podcast. And in her mind, she knows that her ideal dream clients are female, yeah, from all races, okay, who wants to learn how to create and launch a podcast. That's it. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's, that's her idea during clients. So when she actually do this exercise and she creates all of these different versions, just like what you said, right? And covering different needs. So when it comes to writing the sales copy, writing social media captions, posts, email list, I don't know, newsletter, right? When she's promoting about a podcast, sure. of course. It, it doesn't, would it mean to look and analyze at a different needs and then cover like similarities for all of them and keep it generalized or because we can't possibly be like, if you're a white woman, these are your needs, right? And if you're right. a black woman, these are your needs. It's really weird. So like I was just wondering yeah. how we can, um, how can we weave that together after analyzing it? Does it make sense? Absolutely. So, no, it totally makes sense. And I think that if we do that, again, we're going to get so bogged down in the details. Okay. We're not going to be able to get anything done. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because that's when we start to have the overwhelm and the feeling of looking at the computer screen saying, I don't know what to write. I have no idea what to do. We want to avoid that completely. Um, so I think being conscious of more so the colloquialisms in our writing. So what I mean by that is the casual, hey guys, when you know that your program is directed towards women. Yeah. Um, or saying, welcome queens, when you know that it's not going to be all black women and maybe you're not a black woman writing the program. So I think 
more than anything is getting the copy down and then going back and reviewing it and making sure that, you know, if you're referring to everybody as queens or telling them that you're now part of their podcast tribe, right? Those are the things that we want to avoid more than anything. God, yeah, I got it now. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. Makes so, so much more sense. It's not necessarily like if you're Indian, you're going to love this. Or if you're black, you're going to love this. It's more so I know that you are a badass woman and you are going to do great from this and we are going to make you money and your podcast is going to be amazing. And this is how we're going to do it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Could you imagine if we did that? The sales page would be like pages and pages long. You'd need at least 12 sales pages. (laughs) Easily. Who's talking about that? Joke. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. Okay. So this is this is this is amazing. This is very. I uh, I've learned something new today. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. You so, much. <laughs> so a quick question. I I am saying ladies a little bit more. Is that okay? Hey, ladies. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, okay. who's your target? My target is mostly women, so I mostly talk to women. If um, men come to my page, that's great. Um, But, you know, especially for those of us that are using Instagram primarily, um, they give us those insights. You know, we can go and check them and see who our audience is. Yeah. Um, So I've seen other health professionals with these massive followings address this recently also. I think because they had men that were offended that their content was targeted to women yeah. and they said they took a picture or like a screenshot of their insights on their page and they were like look it's 65% women that's who I'm talking to that's you know mm-hmm. my target audience mm-hmm. so as much as we want to be people pleasers right and we want to please everybody and not offend everyone you're always going to offend someone you're always going to fall short with someone so that's I think true. at the end of the day as long as we are doing what is true to us and we know that we're doing it in a way that is positive and is going to make positive change either in someone's life or in an industry or someone else, something else. I think that that's really what matters. So again, not getting too bogged down in the details because again, I mean, for, for my own business, I'm mostly speaking to women entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm speaking to female health and wellness coaches and I don't know about you, but I haven't seen many male tarot card readers or spiritual entrepreneurs. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think knowing who you're speaking to is really important. And again, having an open mind if someone corrects you and take a look at your insights. You know, Absolutely. maybe your audience isn't as female-centered as you thought it was, but it probably is. Yeah. Mine is like 80, uh, almost 90% women. So... Yeah, I mean, like, if, yeah. if someone were to have, like, a business account on their Instagram, they can easily just check it in the settings and analytics. That take, takes a couple of seconds anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if, you're, if your insights are saying that your audience is 90% women, then go on and talk to the women because that's, that's your audience, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's who you want to be appealing to. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, thank you, Stephanie. That was amazing. I loved it. It was like a quick crash kind of like cause about inclusive writing. So that was amazing. So for all the listeners, and I, I, I am curious as well, like what are you working on in your business right now or on your business? Like what's coming up? <laughs> so I am currently working on my two big packages so it's an ebook package where I can help coaches and entrepreneurs finish up their ebook, get it set up in Canva or whatever service they use. Not a graphic designer, so I can't make it super, super beautiful, but definitely helping with the copy and getting it all set up. And also my podcast package where I'm taking people's podcasts and repurposing them for extra content. I'm ah. super, super excited about that. So those are my two big things that I'm working on now. And there might be a course coming up soon in the fall. So <laughs> Wow, that's really exciting. I'm so excited for you and all of those upcoming packages. So where can people find out about you? Like to get all the insights, the updates, all the goodness. 
So I am primarily on Instagram at Copy by Steph. And if people want to learn more about me, they can visit copybysteph.com. Um, and that is my website where I have a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. Go check her out and read that post if you haven't already. The one that I'm talking about with the inclusive writing guide, that is like, whoa, mind blowing. So that is amazing. So, all right, Stephanie, Thank you so before much. I let you go, my pleasure. I have a quick question for you. So this is something that I pretty much ask all my podcast guests. And it's also a question that I do ask like my friends in real life as well. <laughs> is that what is the definition of success? I love that. That's such a good question. Um, my definition of success would be fulfillment. So really feeling fulfilled in whatever it is that you're doing. So for instance, in my classroom, a day when I feel fulfilled is when I could see those little light bulbs go off over the kids' heads. You know, that moment when they finally get it. Yeah. And in my business, if I'm doing a one-to-one uh, intensive with somebody, that light bulb moment when they finally get it, yeah. that to me is success because finally, you know, I'm able to teach, I'm, you know, doing what I'm meant to be doing. So that's really success is feeling fulfilled in what you're doing and knowing that you have a purpose. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. Like inner fulfillment, it's just, it's, it's going to look really different for everyone. That's a given. But when you can realize that, yeah, that is what makes me really happy. And, you know, that's my definition of success. That's the most important because, you know, success is not just about money, how much cars or how many cars do you have or like, you know, all of that stuff, the materialistic stuff. So. I mean, that's great, but if you're fulfilled, the yeah, 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 it's true. It's true. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on to the show and I will chat with you literally right after recording this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I had such a fun time. You just finished listening to an episode on the Sarah Lowe podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you're more than welcome to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or share the podcast with your friends on social media as that is the best way to help grow the show. Just don't forget to tag me at sarahlo.co on Instagram so I can give you a big virtual hug as a thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep designing a profitable business around a lifestyle you want and make money doing what you love on your terms. Mm-hmm.